0: I'm the senior trade union rep at Alliance Engineering um, for Unite the Union. I've been doing that job now for a fair number of years. I'm also our national branch secretary. I'm the deputy chairman of our European Works Council. I've just been elected as a pension trustee. Um, in twen- uh, 2006, I was elected as a supervisory board member for Allianz SE. i will to go into that in a bit more detail. And as John said, from May next year, I'll be re-elected. And I'll explain that as well. Um, So my role on the supervisory board goes back to when Allianz AG decided that they was going to become a European company and follow the European statute. So they become Allianz SE. Um, At the time, they had to set up because they're based in Germany as well, that helps. (laughs) But they had to set up a special negotiating body to discuss with the employees of the whole of Europe how employee representation would look like at Allianz. So every single country was allowed to elect one person. So for the likes of, uh, I think it was Lithuania or Estonia, we had 25% of the workforce, because we had one person and they had four employees. Um, but in the UK, we was allowed to have one seat and I was elected to that body by all employees. It wasn't the trade unions. Uh, in some of the other countries, like Germany, they had more employees so they could have more representatives. So we had six months of negotiations with the company. Um, it could be extended, but we managed to do it in six months. We had quite a few meetings and we developed uh, um, our Employee Participation Agreement, which covered a European Works Council and also how people would be elected and take part in the Allianz SE Supervisory Board. Now because the Allianz was based in Germany, we automatically got employee participation on boards extended to the whole of Europe, whereas before it was just Germany. So the old system in Germany, they had a board of 20, a supervisory board of 20, of which 10 were employees. And some of them were elect, um, had to be elected by the senior management. So there was a, uh, two types of elections, and they could also have automatic seats for trade union officers. I believe they had to have two because of the size of it. Because we converted to the SE, um, it was decided, and I've never really understood why, um, that the board would be reduced to 12 in total. Uh, there were some things about it, it had to be divisible by three and divisible by four, and uh, they wouldn't accept 20. And there was lots of arguments. And we were the first big company to convert, so we got nothing to follow. <coughs> Um, And there was something that happened at the shareholder meeting the year before which was on about reducing the board. So we did desperately try to increase the size of the board but we couldn't. So obviously the the, the Germans colleagues did suffer because they'd gone from a board of ten employees to a board of six employees. But they had to share. It wasn't just Germans then. So it was uh, they had to... Um, look at the whole of Europe. So what was decided was that it would be based on the de Honte system. So it was all to do with the number of employees in each country. So Germany had the major employee headcount. So they got four seats, of which one was elected, or nominated by the trade union Verdi. It's done by um, the trade union federation, UNI, but it was the recognised union out there is Verdi, so it, we had a representative from Verdi. So they've gone from ten down to effectively three, plus the trade union member. So it was a big hit for them. And then the next two countries, France had the next number of um, largest number of employees, and then there was uh, a system where. The, extra, the next seat would go to a country that was not already represented. So they had to look a bit further. And at the time, uh, the UK was about 300 employees more than Italy. So in 2006, the UK, on that basis, received a seat on the Supervisory Board. Even though the creation of Allianz SE was based on the merger between Allianz AG and RAS, which was an Italian company that Allianz owned. So they were a the big partner in making it work, but they didn't get the board seat. So they was a bit disappointed, obviously. Uh, we did make, a, uh, the Works Council managed to make a concession. They got an extra member on the Works Council for uh, the first term of office. Slight consolation, but nothing really to make up for it. So. So, that is how the UK ended up having a seat on the Allianz SE Supervisory Board. So, we were then one of the six. Of course, then we have to uh, have some form of election, but we managed to persuade them that it would be the person who was elected to the European Works Council. So, as I was on the European Works Council, I was elected to the Supervisory Board. And my colleague was elected as my substitute, because in the UK we get two people on the, the works council. So that's how we got onto the board in the first place. And then in 2012, we did the headcount again. And Italy beat the UK by about 300. With, would chopped. Uh, we could understand why the UK had dropped, because we'd sold a bank. We had about 2,000-plus two, 2, employees in London, and we sold the bank. So our headcount went down overnight, but Italy had lost theirs gradually over the five-year period. So in, in 2012, I left the board, and Italy took over, and that was the only major change. And then earlier this year, we did the headcount check again, and the UK, w- once again, was about two or 300 ahead of Italy. So this has got a pattern coming here, I think. Um, so we had to uh, carry out a fresh election, and we hadn't done it before in this uh, as a, a body. So, in collaboration with our colleagues in Germany, we developed a process which they was happy with, which fitted in with what was the wording of our participation agreement, and that was that all Alliance UK employees and Allianz has got various companies in the UK. The biggest is the insurance, but they've got other companies as well. All employees will be eligible to stand. So that was the first statement. So we issued uh, a a form, a nomination form to get people to fill in, to say they want to apply. And the, the job was sort of advertised on the company intranets. So everyone, if they looked, they had the opportunity to see it. It wasn't sent directly to everyone, they had to look for it, but it was available for every single employee to see. We had about um, six or seven people asked for further details and the nomination form, and we had three people actually apply. Now, we had two two seats, two positions, the main delegate and the substitute delegate. In the past, we've had the issue where it was the first pass the post and the second pass the post. We said, no, we want to do separate elections because then um, as trade unionists, we could only ever put one candidate forward because we'd split the vote. So we managed to persuade them to have two votes so we could put two candidates forward. So one person stood for the main candidate and one person stood for the deputy. Um, So that was okay. That went ahead. Um, Three people submitted nominations and the deputy was elected unopposed, but the main candidate there was two people. The interesting part was Allianz in the UK allowed the trade union reps to carry out the election. So at Allianz Insurance, Unite is the recognised trade union. So we as Unite workplace reps and health and safety reps all got together and elected the person to sit on the Supervisory Board. (coughs) And lo and behold, they elected the Unite Rep. (laughs) What what can I say? Um, So, uh, that's why it was amazing that the company allowed us to do it. We thought it would be an all-employee election again, which, it it might be the cost, that costs a lot of money. But uh, I don't know, they allowed us to do it anyway. Uh, If it wasn't for Germany telling them how it should go ahead, that wouldn't have happened. It would have been definitely an all employee one it works in our favor so as of May next year uh, the UK seat should be occupied by me again I've got to be I've been elected in the UK we've told the European Works Council and I'm off to Munich next week for our executive committee meeting where all candidates will be made known so we know who's the six are, and the six deputies. And then in uh, end of January next year, we have the full meeting of our European Works Council, where the elections will be ratified by the Works Council. Hopefully it's just a formality, but it's the way the process works. So, being a member of the Supervisory Board... Um, It meets about six times a year, Um, plus it has various committees and they do try to make sure that everything happens in the same week, including the works council meetings. So like I'm going to Munich on Monday, the executive committee will meet on Tuesday and the supervisory board meets on Thursday, I think, because the employees are out there and uh, we all do the same job. So it makes sense. Less travel. less uh, less everything. Um, So you get sent loads of information, the agenda, masses of um, presentation packs of what they're going to go through and depending on the time of year, if it's just before the Uh, sort of the first half of the year, you're getting all the company results from the previous year, you've got to approve, you've got to go through, there's lots and lots of information, you come back and you're weighed down with a ton of paper. Um, But other times it's not so busy. Before the supervisory board meets formally, the employee representatives meet with the CEO and uh, relevant members of the management board on topics that both parties want to discuss, or, or all that are going to be raised at the supervisory board meeting. So try, it's an informal meeting, but it's a way of trying to reach consensus before you go to the main meeting. Uh, it's all about reaching consensus, because they love that out there. Um, which is good, because uh, you don't always get your own way, it's not a roll over. because you, You're saying no, but it is. Um, it's a good way of working. And they also do the same with the shareholder representatives as well. The CEO and others will meet them in advance of the main meeting, so they can talk it all through. Uh, then after that, you will, the next, usually the next day, you will go to the share uh, to the main meeting, whereby um, for some of it. It is made up of the Supervisory Board and the Management Board, Uh, but for other parts of it, it it's just the Supervisory Board. So I think, if I remember rightly, it starts off with the Supervisory Board having a meeting to discuss certain items, then the Management Board comes in and gives um, their talks on the various topics and answers questions, and then the Management Board leave, and then the, the Supervisory Board continues and the votes are taken. So each member has a vote. Now, you're thinking, well, if there's six employees and six shareholders, it's stalemate all the time. It's not. But say Consensus is tried to be reached on everything, but the chairman has the casting vote, and the chairman is the shareholder representative. So the shareholders ultimately have the winning vote, but they don't like exercising it. It's, they'd rather not exercise their casting vote. So there is a lot of effort put in to try and make sure the the Chairman does not have to exercise his casting vote. Uh, I'm not saying he never does, but there's a lot of effort put in to try and prevent it happening. Uh, So um, That's the Supervisory Board meeting. Then the Supervisory Board members all attend the annual shareholders meeting. They don't get asked questions but The management board do. So this is held in the the Munich Olympic Stadium. It's a massive great event and the shareholders, uh, the supervisory board members and the management board members are all on stage and they've got their set pieces to deliver but then it's open to questions from all shareholders and the shareholders do hit the management board with various questions. But it's a very slick operation. Because they will take questions in blocks, then the research teams that are sitting behind them, which you can't see from the front, <laughs> come up with the answers. And because you're on the supervisory board, you can see the TV screens for the management board where all the answers keep popping up. So it's a very slick operation. Uh, but it does work, and the, the, they do get a lot of grief. If there's a, I can remember there was a topic from Oxfam about investments in certain areas, um, and they got a lot of grief from that. And they do take it seriously. They do their best to answer all the questions and sort out the issues that are raised. Then, like I say, there are committee meetings. There's a standing committee which meets very—I uh, think that meets probably uh, six or seven times a year. There's a personnel committee that meets only when they want changes to the board. There's a finan- uh, audit committee which will be. Really busy in the first quarter of the year. A risk committee, a nominations committee. So there's various committees. The only one the employees are not on is the committee that decides who the shareholder representative is going to be, because they've got no influence over the employees. So we've got no influence over them. Um, What else happens? Nothing. That's about it. As as a as a board. We meet regularly. You do get on okay with the shareholders. You get to know them after a while. The, the last, there was one from the UK stroke Ireland, but he's retired from now. It was a guy called Donald Sutherland. Um, but he's been replaced. I can't remember who the others are at the moment. But there is a, the, super, the shareholders do mix and match a bit. So you'll find you might have the CEO from another major German company on your supervisory board. So he's the mani- uh, CEO and management of one company, but he's on your supervisory board, and vice versa, our CEO is on someone else's supervisory board. So there's a lot of uh, mixing around, As long as there's not a conflict of interest. I mean, I doubt you, you wouldn't find the Allianz CEO on an, the ins- supervisory board of another insurance company, because it'd be, it'd be wrong. Um, now, there is some rule that says the CEO cannot automatically uh, leave the management board and become a member of the supervisory board. So our CEO retired, a guy called Michael Diekmann, retired a few years ago. But my understanding is next year he comes back as the chairman of the supervisory board because he's had the required break. So uh, that's part of the um, governance of the German governance. So I think that's basically about it as as it works.